Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. What's the best part of mountaineering? Your teammates, except for those moments when they're talking too much, bossing you around, being lazy, and just doing life wrong. Now, if you're having mean thoughts about your mountaineering teammates, know that this is normal. Mountaineering and training really challenge us as people. And sometimes when we're freezing and exhausted, we're not as patient as we'd like to be. So how can we still show up for our teammates even when the going's getting tough? Today, I'm gonna give you some tips on loving your teammates through the good times, the bad times, and the shit times. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I am having a night. This is the third time I've recorded this episode and I recorded it once and didn't like it. And then I re-recorded it and As I was getting to the very end, as I was just going to hit stop record, the computer crashed and then it didn't autosave. So here I am again to talk to you about teammates. Hopefully the third one will be the very best one. I think that's that's how it always works out, right? There's something I forgot in the first like two recordings that I'm going to get in here that is like the one thing you need to know. I'm just going to have faith in that. So teammates, let's talk about mountaineering teammates. Why do a whole episode on them? So I think there's a few reasons that it's good to just really think about how we can be a good teammate and get along with our teammates better. Why does it matter? First thing, like most fundamentally, if you're doing technical mountaineering where you need a belay or where you're roped together, traveling on a glacier, literally those teammates have your life in their hands. So of course you want to trust these people. You want to like these people. You want to be able to speak up and feel like you will be heard feel like you will be understood. Another thing that 
happens in mountaineering is intense togetherness. Even if you're just doing a one-nighter, you might be sharing a tent with people. I have friends, they're a couple. They climbed Denali. They went with a friend of theirs that was single, so they were a rope team. There was three of them. They had a really hard time with weather. They were on the mountain for four weeks, and a few times they were in the tent together for days while storms were blowing around them. And they just talk about just the intenseness of that togetherness and how crazy that was to just be looking at each other for days on end in a tent. And one thing I think they did that was funny, they actually set up a second tent at, I think, great effort so that they would have a chance, like one at a time, to just go into the other tent and have a few hours of solitude. And they talked about how even as a married couple, they just craved like being alone. They craved like getting away from each other and from the other person. So obviously, if you're going to be in a tent for days in a storm with people, you really want to you know, to some degree, like and get along and with and enjoy those people. And then I think one of the, the things that's really magical about mountaineering is that there's an opportunity to make such amazing connections with people that maybe don't happen as deeply or as fast in the real world. When you're doing mountaineering, if you think about it, you really see people at their most vulnerable. You might see them when they're hungry, when they're cold, when they're frustrated, when they're just in total despair. They're going to maybe see you in the same way. And then if you get to the summit, you're just going to maybe see them crying, see them triumphant, see them like blowing their own minds. You really go through like all the human emotions on a mountaineering trip. And it really can make these friendships that are just amazing, that are tight, that are intimate, that just maybe don't happen. Maybe they take years to happen at other places in your life, but on the mountain, it can just happen in a matter of days. And you're like, yeah, Susie's my friend. And I would like go to war for her. <laughs> and I've known her for like three days and it, it can like be that way for years and she feels the same way. So, so obviously we all want that, right? Those are awesome things to have in life, like regardless if you get to the top of the mountain or not. However, <laughs> when, as I mentioned in the intro, it's not easy, right? Whenever we're doing mountaineering, we're tired, we are in positions where maybe we're physically uncomfortable, we're cold, we're hot. We're maybe going through emotions where we're just angry, frustrated, frustrated with other people, frustrated with ourselves. And, you know, we can barely manage ourselves in those situations. We're like crying in the middle of the glacier, like uncontrollably. Like, I don't know anyone that's done this. It's not me. It actually is me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like when we can barely like manage our own selves, it's really hard to manage our relationships with other people. And we just can't expect ourselves to be perfect all the time. So how can we be? a good teammate, just given all of the difficulties that we're going to face, all the emotions, all the opportunities to just lose our shit and scream at people and be like really <laughs> difficult to be around and other people are going to be going through the same thing. So I'll share a couple of tips that I use that I'm not to say that I'm perfect at this, but have definitely like helped me like come through mountaineering trips without like everyone just hating me and never <laughs> inviting me on another trip. So one thing I think is really important to remember is that people are going to do all kinds of things and we're going to feel a certain way about that. And I think sometimes we get this idea in our head that our feelings are because of the other person. So here's a really good example from my own life. When I was training for Mount Rainier, we were doing a training hike and my teammate Susie was climbing beside me and I was really like on the struggle bus. I was kind of slowing down, breathing hard. And Susie, she looks over at me and she's like, Sarah, when are you going to 
start working out. <laughs> like now that I look back at it, I'm like, oh, that was supposed to be like a joke. Like it was actually kind of a funny joke in the moment. But ah, she just like kind of hit me in my insecurities because I was at the time very insecure about my speed and just thinking I was not as fit as other people. So what do we do when we're defensive? We totally like lose our shit. So my first thought was like, what a monster bitch. <laughs> I do not like this Susie anymore. And then of course, I started making, because I was like kind of believing her comment and taking it a certain way and feeling defensive, I started making it mean actual things about me. I'm like, I really am slow. I really am fat. Everyone can see it. Everyone's thinking exactly what Susie's thinking. And like, how do you behave when you're in this place? Like, obviously not very nice. And I I went through a few weeks where I was just like mad at Susie and giving her the hairy eyeball and the cold shoulder. And for this poor girl, she was doing probably now that I think back on it was probably just trying to make a joke. But you can see like it wasn't Susie. It wasn't what she said. It was my thoughts about it that caused my feelings. I could just as easily have looked at her and been like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And for whatever reason in that moment, I did not. So just understanding, and I know that this is hard, that the other person is always neutral. What they're saying is neutral. What they're doing is neutral. It's what you think about it that causes your feeling. And I know that that's kind of hard to swallow. We really want it to be the other person that makes us feel a certain way. But here's the thing to keep in mind. Whenever we need Susie to be a certain way and to always say certain things and to treat us in a certain way in order for us to feel good and to feel good about her, like we give away all our power. Because here's the thing, like in mountaineering, like I was saying, we're all in like such intense situations and we really suck at being nice to each other and taking care of each other. And like Susie, even if she's a really nice person, she's eventually going to screw up and then I'm going to have no choice but to hate her because, you know, like... If she controls my feelings, do you see how that works? You know, I'm always going to be at the mercy of the Susies and of all my teammates whenever they don't behave in ways that I like. So what can we do instead? If we take back our power, if we realize, if we just start to try on for size, like bear with me, even if this is a hard thought, that it really is all about us, that Susie, that her comments, that anything like means nothing until we make a story about it, have a thought about it, start thinking about like telling ourselves stories about it in our head, that's when we can really take back our power. Because what can we do? We can always choose to kind of take a deep breath, slow down, realize what's happening, and maybe start to tell ourselves another story that serves us better, that allows us to still get along with Susie, even when she's doing it wrong, or if we think so, of course. Like, there's no objective way to do life right, right? So how can we get better at that? Here's three thoughts that really helped me on mountaineering trips and then just also in life. So first thought I like to think is, of course they did. We all have a lot of thoughts about what people should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. We like to get outraged about, you know, Susie, like I thought she was taking a crack at my weight, but really 
even let's say for for the sake of example, she actually meant it that way. Here's the madness of thinking that I can control other people. The truth is adults get to do exactly what they want to do. They get to, if they're our partner, for example, like make a swamp in the bathroom when they're taking the shower or forget to walk the dog in the morning. They get to say things that maybe aren't nice or that we don't like. They get to have different opinions. I think that as humans, we all like realize that we have free will, but we don't actually want other people to have it when we really stop and think about it. We want them to do what we want them to do so that we can feel happy, so that we can feel good. Because we, we, we get into this trap where we believe that other people's behavior makes us feel good. So what can we do instead? So instead of making up stories about Susie, like I was doing, and therefore I'm thinking about how she thinks I'm fat and therefore everyone thinks I'm fat, I'm slow. I could have been like, oh, you know, that's just Susie being Susie. Like she just, you know, sometimes the mind gets ahead of the brain once in a while and just allowing her to be who she is. And certainly if I really thought she was as I actually did in that moment, like taking a crack at me, you know, I'm free to make a request. I'm like, hey, Susie, my fitness, my weight, they're just off limits. Like, I don't want you to talk about them. I can request that of her. But kind of knowing at the end of the day, she gets to do what she wants to do, just like I get to do what I want to do. Whenever we think we can like control other people's behavior, like that's just where madness lies, right? It just never works out well for us. So like, and of course, that doesn't necessarily take us to the happiest place. So let's take it a step further. So another thing I can think of is Susie has not read the manual. We all have rules. We kind of have like a little rule book, right, of the things we expect others to do so that we can feel good about them. So for example, I will feel good about my partner when they bring in the trash cans after the trash man comes on Tuesday nights or my kids. In order for me to be happy, they have to remember when my birthday is, or they have to say please and thank you to the neighbors. One that I've been like running up against a lot, like personally lately, is my friends should ask how I'm doing whenever I'm going through a, a rough time. They should be interested and just check in on me and want to know what's happening. Some of them do. Some of them honestly don't. They're not following my rule. It's even possible to have rules for strangers. I know like sometimes when I'm hiking and I see like dog poop bags sitting next to the trail, I think to myself, like dog owners should be carrying their poop like they chose to have this dog. If the dog poops, it's their job to pick it up and not leave this ugly bag like right here where I can step on it and they're probably going to forget to pick it up. You know, you can see like like the negativity just starting to spiral right there. So here's the thing. Whenever you notice yourself having rules for other people, here's the thing I want you to remember. They have no idea about these rules. The dog owners have no idea that I personally have this rule that they should pick up their poop. They may not care. Like, I think sometimes we all think that other people have the same rules. Clearly, they don't. Clearly, there's people that think it's just fine to leave the dog poop bag by the trail and come and pick it up on the way back. And, you know, I've talked to people who feel really strongly both ways. So clearly, we don't all have the same rules and can't assume this. So 
with Susie, you know, I can't assume, even if she was taking a crack at my weight, that she's read my rule book. She might have the opposite rule book. She might think that, you know, like when we crack jokes and kind of take the piss out of each other, this is how we show friendship, how we show affection. I mean, probably less among women, but among men. I think that that's, that's honestly not unusual, maybe among a lot of women too. So if you find yourself in this drama, what's the answer? So just ask yourself, what would it be like to just put away the rule book and just like let Susie be Susie and accept that she gets to be who she is and that your rule book does not necessarily needs to be something that she needs to follow. She's allowed to break the rules. Just like you're allowed to break her rules. She might have some really strange rules for you that you would disagree with and be like, whatever, Susie. (laughs) It goes both ways. So just reminding yourself, Susie has not read my rule book and yeah, that she gets to be herself and who she is, which kind of, you know, maybe feels a little better, but we're not still quite not there to like full love, full acceptance when she's being annoying. So that brings us to number three, accepting people for who they are feels good. And we can do that, not because they deserve it, but because it serves us. So let me dive into that a little bit deeper. Most people think that friendship, it's a two-way street, right? We need people to behave in a certain way before we can feel good about them. We need them to understand us. We need them to see us, notice us, and We believe that all of this has to happen before we can show them love. And we actually often will take that a step further. We'll be like, oh, when so-and-so isn't paying attention to me, they need to be punished. I need to like manipulate them or shame them or guilt them in order to notice me and treat me the, the way that they're supposed to treat me. And I think all of us can relate to doing that and relate to how awful it feels and how it almost always backfires. People don't like to be manipulated to shame and bossed around and told what they should do. It definitely, like, we're trying, I think, to come from a place that wants connection and we're actually pushing that connection further away. And a lot of times when we punish people, they just don't care. Like, I don't think Susie, like, really cared that I was giving her the cold shoulder. She might have been a little bit curious. Like, what's up with that girl? She's, (laughs) she probably, like, I doubt even, like, like, could realize, like, why or where it was coming from. So, at times like the punishment doesn't like hurt the other person like they don't care that we're mad at them or can't stand them you know who suffers in that case we suffer i was the one with all the bad feelings and she was you know just going on living life and kind of over it way before i was so what's the answer to that it's to really just realize that sometimes it makes sense to just love people no matter what unconditionally because it serves us like that love that feeling like definitely feels good for us it helps us show up in powerful ways to be positive to be there for our teammates to really be a positive force on the trip to make good decisions from a place of love and caring for other people and they don't have to earn it (laughs) we do it because that's the way we want to be no matter they're allowed to be how they want to be and we show up because that is what we believe is the way we want to show up in the world and that's what we choose so isn't that amazing and like it's really interesting you can have love for people that really just 
don't like you. Like you might, you know, you might hear them like telling other people, I don't like her. You can still love them. You can still, you know, have good feelings for them. It doesn't even have to come back at you. And, you know, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you in order to just to have that emotion inside and be able to act from that place of love, that place of positivity. And what do you think about it? This may sound really strange, you know, going around like loving people who don't deserve it and who might be mean to you. But you know what? Like, think about like, how you're going to show up for your team and what result that's going to create in your life. My guess is if you're a very like loving, accepting, like giving that unconditional love to people, they're going to like want you to come on more mountaineering trips. People are going to be attracted to that. It's going to bring more love back your way, even though you're creating it for yourself. That's not necessarily the point. And if you have a hard time with this, if you're like, yeah, there's no way I could love Susie. She's just too much of a bitch. Maybe stop and think about like someone who loves you unconditionally, or even if there's no one that you feel does that, like imagine what that would be like to just be able to say what you want, to make mistakes, to snap, to be angry, to be sad, to cry, to be ugly, to be a pain in the ass, and then just still be loved because someone else just chose to love you no matter what. That's such a powerful feeling. It's such a powerful thing to put out in the universe. And you can imagine if you're doing that for other people, like pretty powerful stuff's going to come back at you. And yeah, you're probably going to be like invited out. You're going to be the one everyone wants to be on a road team with and be in the tent with and be on the trip with. And it definitely could open up doors in your life, in your mountaineering life. It could be really amazing. So friends, that's my thoughts on teammates. (laughs) I hope that wasn't too woo-woo, loosey-goosey, like love. You can use whatever word you want. It can be affection. It can be care. But I like love. I I feel like fundamentally, deep down, it always is love. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this. If you have questions, if you have ideas for future show ideas, I'd love to hear them. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram or jump in my Facebook group. If you need links to those, they're in the show notes. And yeah, I will catch you here next week. Take care. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.